Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Football today. Our full throttle ahead in week number nine, right here on College Football Today. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, Gabe Morenci, and Hall of Famer in studio Marshall Falk breaking down all the top 25 battles. Big battle in, in the Big 12 between Kansas State and Oklahoma. Oklahoma struggled to pick up this win last year, Rich, 42-35. to But this is a dynamic Sooners offense that's rushing for around 225 yards on the ground and passing for 301 through the air with Kyler Murray. It's going to be a long day for Kansas State to maintain the time of possession. In the end, Oklahoma wins, but Kansas State does keep it within the 25-point number today. Let me ask you a question, Joe. If Kyler Murray did not play outfield, was not a baseball player. <laughs> what would his future look like in the NFL? Right. Would he would he play quarterback it, it, in the NFL? Would, yes, he would. Yes, he would. It really? would be bright. Um I, I think I think what we're watching Baker do, uh, as we watching him grow, what we what we continue to see Russell Wilson do. And and just because of how the NFL they they have to adapt. They had to adapt to what's what what the colleges are doing. Right. You can't you can't bring in quarterbacks and ask them, okay, you haven't taken a snap from on the center. You haven't dropped back. We want you to do this now. No. Okay. Do what you do. We're going to change and adapt to you. And he's one of those kids. This kid is special. He is special. So I, I was a I, I love Lamar Jackson. I thought he was the best raw quarterback coming out of the draft last year. I still would have taken him number one overall just because of his athleticism. Years will tell. We'll, we'll find out. Is Kyler Murray on the same level as Lamar Jackson in terms of athleticism? Because thought Lamar Jackson was a better quarterback than Kyler Murray at this point in his career. I'm, I'm gonna say so. We we talk when we talk about like athleticism. It, you know, we talk about there's a little thing. It, it's it's explosive. Like Lamar Jackson is explosive. Kyler Murray is explosive. So you can be athletic and not be as explosive. When they you can watch them and other fast guys that are athletes. But when they turn it on, it's like, whoa. Right. <laughs> and he he has that gear similar to to Lamar Jackson. And um and I and I watch him throw the ball. Uh, sometimes, you know, he he doesn't really see the whole field. But for the most part, as Baker did, when that ball leaves his hand, it gets to the receiver uh with, with some velocity on it. And I, I like what I see from the kid. I, I his future would be bright if he was not in the A system. Throws with surprising anticipation for someone who does not have a ton of reps at this level. I, I mean, the anticipation he throws with, the way he's picked up that offense of Lincoln Riley, and and let's not forget what this means for Riley, uh, the development of of yes. Baker, uh, the development of Kyler Murray. The uh, you know, Lincoln Riley is not even forty years old at this point. I would not be shocked. Oh, he's getting he's about to get knocks on his door. I I think he's going to get knocks on his door from the NFL. Would not yes. surprise me. Yes, and, and I, I don't think he'll go. Because he loves Oklahoma, waited for his opportunity, 
and 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 with Stoops stepping down just to allow him, or, yeah. or should I say, step up? Did he step up, Stoops? <laughs> okay. He stepped up and allowed him the opportunity to become the head coach, knowing that that program was going to lose him if they didn't. Um, he, he he's proven his worth already. I want yeah, to get, no get Marshall's take on coordinators making the jump from coordinator to uh, uh, NFL coach or a college coach because I feel like. The transition for offensive coaches, offensive coordinators, seems more seamless. We've seen defensive uh, coordinators struggle at the next level uh, in terms of taking on added responsibility. Uh, Indiana and Tom Allen, Bo Pelini, uh, Narduzzi with Pitt. Why do you feel that is? Is it, is it just because they're used to teaching offense and they can get the defense? What is the reason for that in your opinion? I, I, I think the reason is on offense. When, you, when you're an offensive guy and, and, and you call plays – you allow the defense to just do their thing. Like, you're like, okay, we're going to do this. This is what we need you to do. When you're a defensive guy, you want to stop and you want to make sure your offense don't turn the ball over. You then start to suppress talent. It's so hard for, for, for defensive head coaches to really grow quarterbacks. You rarely see young quarterbacks grow and mature or become first-round picks or even in the NFL become guys that can go out and dominate when they have a defensive minded head coach and it's, it's just, it's just in their nature. You know, it's just in their nature. Think about what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were all of those years on the Tony Dungy. And then Gruden come in and win with that team because he allowed his quarterback and his offense to just go out and play and said, Hey defense, if you're that good, show me, show me after we turn it over on a short field that you can hold them to a field goal or stop them or push them back. And that was the challenge. And then Tony Dungy learned from that. He goes to Indianapolis, he gets a Peyton Manning, and he backs up and says, okay, we're going to just play soft coverage. We're not going to try to slow them down. Go ahead and score as many points as you can. I think defensive coaches sometimes, they're control freaks. They get in the way. They're just so, so used to stopping people, they end up stopping their own team. Yeah. Well, Kansas State and Bill Snyder are going to need some defense today. Uh, well, the one thing I'll say about K-State, and I, I, I'm with you again. <laughs> I know we'll start to deviate before too long, but I'm with you again. I, I think they get a cover, maybe a backdoor cover. The only reason why is because they're finally running the ball. When Kansas Alex State Ford. is successful yeah. – for Bill Snyder, they have to be able to bully teams at the point of attack. They have to run the ball with Alex Barnes, yep. uh, Dalton Reisner up front. They're finally getting production from the offensive line and the ground game. That's the only chance Kansas State has. That's and it. if you look historically over the past quarter century, he has lost by more than 23 points to Oklahoma just one time. So he tends to keep it at least within the number. And you add in the fact that Oklahoma, they, they struggle against big backs, stopping big backs. Last year, Alex Barnes, yeah, six carries, 108 yards. Like, <laughs> you, you, you think you want to turn around and hand the guy the ball? But, That's efficient. But the question is going to be, can Kansas State deal with the, the, the receivers of, of, uh, of Oklahoma? I mean, these guys are game breakers. And, oh, yeah. and, and, I, and I think because of that and, and, and how much uh, Kyler Murray, how much I love him and what he's going to do, I, I, I feel like Oklahoma will win and cover yeah, in this no ball game. Yeah, here's the thing. I think Oklahoma could put up a 50 spot in this ball game. I mean, Kansas State is giving up 173 rushing yards per game, 233 passing yards per game, negative in turnover margin, <laughs> haven't generated a pass rush, seven games, 11 total sacks. Don't even show up, you're and saying, basically. And the offensive line is allowing yeah. 22 sacks through seven games. And they well, don't that won't be really, a problem because Oklahoma has a really horrible pass defense. The football. So think about how bad that offensive line for Kansas State was playing at the early part of the year. If they can't 
can't score early. It's going to be the same type of outcome uh, with TCU where Oklahoma just gets bodies and bodies and bodies. And I, I saw a running back, and Rich and I were talking about it. Kennedy Brooks, I don't know if you had an opportunity to see him, Marshall. 168 yards, and he was just he just looked so smooth in the running in the running game. It's unbelievable. They they can put it up, they can run it, they can, they can do a lot of different things. And um, in in this game, <laughs> they're going to have a lot of opportunities to do so. This is where you pad the stats for yeah. for Heisman. You, you do. Heisman this, this is this is that kind of game. This oh. is that. Kind I hope of game. Kyler gets that chance to be in contention because I think he deserves. He, it. he deserves yeah. to be there. He we're fell. Put Minshew and we're going to put the Will yeah, Greer. He, he the other fell behind in the race in large part because of the loss to Texas. But if you look at that game, he that was, that was rallied the them game. back. Yes. I mean, he almost pulled off an upset. They were down by what three touchdowns in that game at one yeah. point. Weren't yeah. they down by that much? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. against Texas. They against were down Texas, 45-21. Yeah. What do you throw? An interception or two in that game? Just a couple of couple of bad some bad throws, some bad decisions were made in that game, but uh really gave his team an opportunity yep. to win the ball game. No doubt. Yeah, we'll see. Uh another Big Ten battle. It's Wisconsin on the road to face Northwestern. No Alex Hornerbrook. Wisconsin's won three of the last five by 17.3 points per game. This is a Northwestern offense which again one-dimensional with Clayton Thorson. They're only averaging 78 rushing yards heading into this ball game. On the flip side, Wisconsin run heavy, run heavy with Jonathan Taylor. Has to be the game plan today. I think Northwestern pushes them to the limit. I like them plus seven. I think they get a three-point win without Alex Hornibrook at the quarterback position. Yeah, Jamie brought up an interesting point, which is some teams are going to suffer from not having their starting quarterback more than others. Wisconsin, not so much. Uh, neither of us are in love with Alex Hornibrook, and he's more of a uh, minority shareholder in this offense. This is John Taylor's offense. This is the O-line's offense. But now you go with Jack Cohn. A kid who has no experience, has not thrown a pass this season. He's from, of all places, Long Island. Uh, so Wisconsin always does a good job of coming out here to the East Coast, whether it's New Jersey, New York, and pulling players out. I think Pat Fitzgerald, with some time to prepare for that one-dimensional offense, you have some good linebackers. They're strong in the front seven. I agree with you. I think uh-huh. Northwestern not only keeps it close, I think they pull the upset. Wisconsin has been schizophrenic all year. And by the way, final point, that defensive backfield is a mass unit. Three yeah. kids are out, and Dakota Dixon may not play. So Clayton Thorson could have a big day. Usually one-dimensional offenses are like uh, easy to stop, but Jonathan Taylor and how they run the ball and that offensive line, they, they dominate the line of scrimmage. And you uh, often think, boy, if a quarterback is throwing the ball down the field and he does a lot of things, he's hard to kind of replace if he's out. But but Kono have a tough time replacing Hornibrook because a game manager is even harder to replace because he's not going to lose the game for you. He's going to keep you in the game, yet can make the necessary throws. And I, I can't wait to see what they do in, in, in that in that realm. But uh, I just I just I just feel like this is a game that Wisconsin will win. Um, uh, Northwestern will end up covering, and uh, and and it'll go over. But w- w- and we're we're going to have a close game. This is going to be one of those close, hard-fought games that come down to maybe one or two plays. And 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 like I said, these type of games comes down to something that happens in special teams, or you lose the field position war in special teams, or a turnover happen, happening in special teams. I like to call them Big Ten rock fights. 
That's what they were. They're just, they're just yards you know, cloud of dust. bare knuckle rock fights. <laughs> not a lot of pretty, not a lot of pretty, not nope. a lot of oh my gods right. and whoa, did you see that? Highlight it's reel plays. It's just football. <laughs> it's just and football. If it's just football and you're at home getting seven, I, I think that favors Northwestern. It's down to like three, three and a half. Oh, wow. Well, okay. Because of Hornerbrook. Yeah, yeah. Because the news with Hornerbrook. Right. But, Marshall, when I look at this game as well, I and mean, you look at Northwestern in terms of running the football, can they do it against this defensive front that's allowing 168 yards per game? They allowed 320 to Michigan and, more importantly, 211 to Illinois last week. But when you have an offense that likes to spread it out, they're not a, profe- a pro-style offense. Can you do that in bad weather uh, with rain and muck ag- against a physical defensive front? It's hard to change your identity. If, if you're a team and you spread people out and that's how you try to run the football you can't now put your hand in the, in the mud and get physical. That, I mean, if, if that's the case, then the defense is winning. They, right. they basically got you to play their type of game, and you're not doing, you're not doing what you do best or, or what you thought you did best. That's why you were trying to do it. So um, I, 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 don't see, I don't see them even giving that a shot. So we'll, we'll see what they decide to do. But, um, but once again, I think uh, even, even with Hornybrook out, I, I, I like Wisconsin. The line, the, it came down. The, the, it's, it's at about three and a half right now. And, and I'm going to take, I'm going to take, I'm going to take, uh, Wisconsin with the win, but but Northwestern will definitely cover. Yeah, the it? underdog has covered. Uh, as, <laughs> why does that there you go. There the you underdog go. has covered say it, in every Northwestern game this season. There the underdog go. is seven and zero in Northwestern games. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. That yeah. is that is very important. It just don't blurt it out right before the game, though. <laughs> why, you, think, you think that's <laughs> gonna? Do you think it's gonna uh, move the line? I don't know. Well, well here's you're the, giving me way too much credit. Well, here's the thing too. That's important to note. We all talk about Iowa having uh, possibly winning that division. North Northwestern at four and one is leading the division, even though they're four and three overall. So they get this win. tons of motivation. They, uh, That's not an this, issue. They get this victory over Wisconsin at home, minus the quarterback. It's they'll be five and one yeah. within conference play, which is very. Fitz important. does this in a he lot does. of years, he doesn't he? Fitz, Fitz tends to start slow at Northwestern, and then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, "Holy cow, they're seven and three. Yeah. They're and busy with classes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> busy. Don't catch them in well, finals. You well, know. Well, from one Fitz to another Fitz, Nikki Fitz. Are you still on Nick Fitzgerald Nikki after Fitz. last weekend? Well, no. Well, I, I got to tell I, you I something. Was on LSU last. You weekend. know who you're going to be on next weekend? We're, we're on week number nine. No, no, right no, now. no. I, I'm. This yes. is all geared towards Mississippi State, yes. Joseph. Joseph. I, I think you're going to see Keaton Thompson pretty soon. Okay, I do. I, I just think Joe Moorhead is going to become very um, disappointed. In the lack of a throwing game in his offense, okay. Fitzgerald is Taysom Hill 2.0. He is. He's very Hill's in the league. By he's the very way, Tim Tebow like in that he's a bruiser between the tackles. But by God, he can't complete passes consistently. Keaton Thompson in the bowl game last year, briefly in the opener this year when Fitz was uh, suspended, actually looks like he has a lot of potential. I wonder if you'll start to see the young kid come off the bench as early as this weekend. And supplant your Nikki Fitz. Supplant my Nikki Fitz. Well, Nikki Fitz dominated Texas A&M last year, 35-14 to 14 in College Station. This is a Texas A&M offense that's passing and rushing for over 200. But more importantly, what Mike Elko holding opposing offenses to 78 rushing yards per game. And Jimbo Fisher, Marshall, has done a fantastic job in terms of coaching this talent up. Something that I thought he didn't do at Florida State, even though he was getting top five talent. 
boy. And and uh, I I just I just go back to that contract he got. I mean, <laughs> oh my God. What would I you know do me. with seventy five million? I just I guarantee, like you know, it's coming. Like <laughs> that. Hey, it's coming. It's coming. It's in the pipe, and there's nothing you can do about it. But 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 they they are they are playing well. He he's done a really good job at. At, um, at getting the most out of this team. And usually in an early transition, you don't have as much, as much success. Um, but I, I like in the job that he's done exactly what Dan Mullins has done all over in Florida. And I, and, and I, I continue to, to see this team come out and play well. Um, I, 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 like, I like Mississippi State in this game. I, I, feel, like, I feel like Mississippi State, um, not only will they win, I think they'll cover. Um, and, and I just like the way that they are playing. And I, I feel like, this game is like their type of game. Yeah, I agree with Marshall. Here's what I look at when I look at this ball game as well. Mississippi State only allowing 114 rushing yards per game. I look at the matchup with Simmons and Sweat on the outside. Love the two up, of them. Going yeah. up against Texas A&M's offensive line that's allowed 23 total sacks in Starkville. You know Mississippi State's going to try and run the football first and then work off a of play action. If they open it up early... Uh, they don't want to get into a shootout with no. A&M and that offense and no. Kellen Mond. So that's why I like Mississippi State. Same recipe like against Auburn. Low scoring, run the football, mm. maintain the time of possession. And in the end, I think they get a 7-10 to 10 point win. I'm in the uh, quickly. Just here, here's my thought. Uh, Texas A&M, number four nationally. You mentioned Mike Elko. Number four nationally at stopping the run. Mississippi State has to run to be successful. That's number one. A&M, 6-1 against the spread this year. And give me the team that has more balance. Because of Kellen Mond and Travion Williams, a more balanced offense, Mississippi State, I just think they're heading south right now. Yeah, we'll see how that game plays out. It's a 7 o'clock kick on ESPN. When we come back, we'll be joined by our comrade in arms, Gabe Morenci, live from Toronto with his best bets. Keep it where it is. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. and rolling into week number nine of college football. We're joined by our comrade who's usually in studio but instead we replaced him for a Hall of Famer, Marshall Falk. <laughs> Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci's with us. Gabe, how are you? Gabe's not with us. <laughs> I can be Gabe. <laughs> there is I'll fill in for him. <laughs> only they, they broke the mold when they made Gabe Morenci, I can tell you that. <laughs> Okay, so let's we'll, jump into games before Gabe is on. We, uh, we were uh, we were going we to talk about, about Michigan State, State Purdue. Let's Michigan right State it. Purdue. Now this is interesting because Brian Lewerke will not play in this ball game. It looks like it will be Rocky Lombardi 
uh, for uh, Michigan State, coming off a disappointing home loss to Michigan, 21-7. to Purdue, unbelievable. I mean, the way they dominated Ohio State last week, I mean, 49-20, to I mean, dominating win. I still take the house money here with Purdue, but the only thing that scares me is the wet track because that could affect their running game here. Well, Purdue is all about the speed. I I mean, the fact that they have Rondell Moore, the fact that Jeff Brom could get Rondell Moore from from leaving the state. Yeah. You know, we need to see more of that with Rutgers in New Jersey. Indiana, no, no. you're Rondell Moore. You could have gone just about anywhere. The kid stays at Purdue and is now one of the most dynamic all-around weapons in college football. David Blau is is playing fantastically well. How about the defense? Yeah. How about Nick Holt in that defense led by Marcus Bailey? Nick Holt has done a tremendous under-the-radar job. Did it last week holding Ohio State to 20 points. Now listen, I, I think Purdue can go toe-to-toe with Michigan State. I'm worried in this case of what their mindset is going on the road after that big victory. Yeah, the, the, the question before you go, one quote, the question is, were you more surprised that they held Ohio State to 20 or that they scored 49? Uh, held to 20, <laughs> only because that Ohio State defense showed a lot of chinks wow, in the armor that, this year. Boy, yeah. that, that Dynamic. Was, that was uh, that was good Good for Tyler Trent, too. Uh, they got the victory for Tyler Trent. The, oh, the, the young, young kid boy. who was sick. The yeah, great very, story. And that's yep. what makes college athletics separate than the NFL. I mean, we see it, you know, showcased. Very, every, very community-based type yes, of a game. great. Yeah. Well, Gabe is with us. Gabe, how's the weather out there in Toronto? Terrible. I'm standing in the rain. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely terrible. Trains, planes, and automobiles, and taxis, of course. Uh, but we're ready to, uh, ready to rock and roll and get some action in uh, before high noon today. Well, we talked about the cocktail party. Uh, all three of us are on the Bulldogs. We think they'll be barking later today in Jacksonville. We think Jake Fromm steps up. How do you see this game playing out, Gabe? Well, now I'm a little bit worried with all due respect to the Hall of Famer uh, since, uh, since Marshall's on this. And I'm feeling pretty good about myself, actually, that it takes a Hall of Famer to sit in my chair when I'm gone. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm patting myself on the back for that one. But, you know, I want, I'm an underdog better. I wanted to talk myself into taking the Gators. Uh, earlier in the week, but as game time approaches, you know, I just can't buy into Franks doing enough here. You know, the quarterbacks have struggled for both teams at times uh, this season, but I've got more confidence in Fromm in a situation like this coming off the bye week. Listen, I I love what Dan Mullen's doing. I think the Florida Gators are going to be SEC contenders, and I think they're just a couple of years away from once again competing with Alabama on a yearly basis. I like Mullen that much, uh, but I'm not sure he's they're, they're quite ready to win this football game just yet. And with the line movement, you know, I don't, you know, I hate to be one of these guys that says, "Well, I didn't like it at seven and a half, but I like it at six, six and a half," because you know, if you're betting a game and there's, you know, you don't like it because of a one point difference, then you obviously don't love the game. But we all know it's such a key number. I think it's going to be close to the number. I think this game goes back and forth, but ultimately in the fourth quarter, I think the uh, the Bulldogs uh, do enough to pull away and just barely uh, get that cover. And keeping it in the SEC as well, guys, you know, how often do you see, and we see this in the NCAA tournament often, in which, you know, they talk about the big 8-9 matchup. And, oh, what a big upset. The 9 seed beat the 8 seed. And we all know that most of the time the 9 seed would be favored. 
we have a similar situation like this when an unranked football team with Missouri uh, being a seven, seven and a half point favorite over a ranked football team and a 15 ranked team in the country in Kentucky. And of course, Kentucky's one loss, uh, an overtime loss on the road in a tough situation. Uh, but the fact that Kentucky just can't throw the football has everybody um, already has Missouri winning this game easily. And I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I'll take the better running back all the time. You know, yeah, Drew Locks was a, was a flashy guy, but I like I like the fact that Kentucky can win this game in the trenches. If they fall behind, we're in a lot of trouble, all right? Uh, I'm, I'm not kidding myself. I'm not naive. I know offensively we could be a little bit challenged uh, here, but, but, you know, give me give me a physical Kentucky Wildcat team plus seven points, guys. And Rich and Joe, you guys know how good Kentucky's been to me this year. You know, we had this discussion before we came on air today, Gabe, this exact discussion. Kentucky, in my opinion, that line is too high. I, I looked at that at the beginning of the week. I thought it was going to be two, two and a half for the home field advantage. But give me the physical defense with Josh Allen. Give me that running back with Benny Snell. I totally agree with your point. If you get behind early, if this is 14 nothing Missouri, uh, 14 nothing Missouri, forget it. I mean, the, the game is over. But I don't think it happens. I, I think... Kentucky is the better football team. Getting seven points in this spot, I, I think, is uh, is borderline best bet material. Well, I guess, you know, does defense matter anymore? I guess we're going to find out. You know, we always hear defense wins championships, and I still believe that to be true, but, you know, it seems like offense wins regular season conference championships and regular season games, even in the NFL uh, right now. Uh, but I think Kentucky can do enough to slow down Missouri. We all know, guys, people have an attention deficit disorder now. People remember what they saw last, and what they saw last was Mizzou going up and down the field. That was against Memphis, and Memphis was a spent club. That was a bad spot uh, for Memphis last week, and Memphis aren't an SEC team. Uh, Kentucky are. And, you know, listen, if, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Uh, you know, we, we've taken Kentucky nearly on a weekly basis, and it's funny, too, because talking to some other people in, in the industry, and, you know, people that are, you know, handicappers, et cetera, there's a negativity about Kentucky because they didn't cover last week. Well, you know, I took them last week and they didn't cover. Yeah, that's not their spot. You don't want to be laying 11 points for this Kentucky team. You want to be taking points, and it's exactly what we're going to be doing. Uh, speaking of points, guys, how do I not take the over in this Houston and South Florida game? I was crunching some numbers. I'm going to sound like Joe Lisi here. Uh, I'll tell you what, Richard Marshall, uh, Houston are averaging 74 point. Uh, you know, four-point uh, plays per game in South Florida, 73. Huge, huge matchup. Gabe, you got to put a decimal point in there if you're going to be uh, a couple of decimal points if you're going to be Joe Lisi. 14. Yeah, I know. I'm doing my best. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the rain. No kidding aside. Um, Houston run a lot of plays, guys. A lot of plays. Uh, 74 plays per game. It's amazing. And, you know, they've scored more than 40 points in every football game uh, that they've played in. South Florida play a very, very brisk pace as well. There's just too much speed on the field here, and there's going to be too, offense, too many offensive snaps uh, for, for there not to be points. We've seen on a weekly basis, and I'm kind of kicking myself for leaving this on the table as much as I have had uh, this year but not jumping on these Houston Cougar overs uh, more than I, I have. You know, it's amazing because they might have the number one pick in the NFL draft on the defensive side of the football, uh, but their offense is really clicking uh, right now. Herman did a great job putting that thing together briefly, but they have the new stadium, and I've always thought that the Houston program could be sort of a sleeping giant. 
with the facilities, the football match state, the talent in the area, the Longhorn struggling uh, in the past. I know now, obviously, they're, they're, on, they're on the upswing again, but I've always had a soft spot in my heart uh, for the Houston Cougar program. I think, you know, so I think that this is probably where I the ball last. It seems like a lot of people think Houston's going to pull away from South Florida, but I think this game comes down to the wire, but I'm going to pull a trick on the over in this game, guys. Gabe, you're a little light with the picks this week. You only have about five up on the board, and one team that I've been high on at the start of the year, they got... Called discipline, Joe. <laughs> I, I've had a problem. I've been out of control. I was game. playing more games than Pete Rose. Not in the same sense. <laughs> I was... Well, I was betting more games than Pete Rose. No, I've got a couple others I was looking at. The USC, you know, to be honest, the USC Trojan game um, today. This is one that I was, I was ready to really, I was ready to go for USC, and I wasn't overly concerned about the quarterbacks. It's quarterback you, and it was a battle, um, you know, come, coming in um, to, to to win the job here for Daniels. But they also have so many defensive injuries, you know, and you look at Arizona State. You know, Arizona State, every loss that they've had has been basically by touchdown or less and against elite teams, or at least very good teams. Let's not say elite, but very good teams. Arizona State's been pretty competitive, and no one's getting rich laying points with Clay Helton, I'll tell you that much. So I've sort of talked myself out of a few games today, Joe. Well, what about the game that I'm looking at at 7 o'clock tonight? Texas and Tom Herman with a critical matchup in Stillwater against Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State. And I said to Rich before the show started that, you know, I'm getting a, a, the sense and the feel that Mike Gundy might have his foot in another job because usually he's so defensive of his program. And this this team isn't playing the way they should. And more importantly, we've seen players deflect I sort of get the sense that this there's, this team could implode this year, and, and I like Texas on the road as well later tonight. Yeah, so, so do I, Joe. These are programs going in different directions. I, get there, I think there's been friction uh, with the university and the coaching staff uh, for, for a year or two. Listen, uh, Pickens put a lot of money into this thing over the years, and the results just haven't been there. And I think last year there was a lot of resentment after the fact that Basically, look, Stoops, Stoops left at the last second, and, 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 you know, you had you had Mason Rudolph, you had Hill, you had Washington, and it was almost, I think people in Stillwater sort of came to the conclusion that if it didn't happen last year, it ain't happening. It's just, it's not happening. And I've always thought this team has, has been underachievers, to be honest. I sort of look at them as a West Virginia Mountaineer team, and West, West Virginia, are they obviously better this year, uh, than they are, but you know, Joe, I've never, I've never, I've never trusted Oklahoma State in a big football game. Yeah, I get it. Brandon Weeden won a big game a couple of years ago, I and mean, then they lose to Iowa State that year as well. Uh, you know, they uh, to me, you know, if I think of all right, what are big wins for Oklahoma State? They're few and far between. And, and trust me, I know as we talked about, you know, being undisciplined and betting on these guys. Oh, you know, they're getting points at home here, Texas. You know, Tom Herman. You know, is has lived up to the hype right now. You know, he has to, to bounce back after that Maryland loss. You know, the, the quarterback situation. I know he's banged up right now. Ellinger is coming into this football game. I, I think there's going to be some points uh, here, but ultimately, I think Texas will be able to make the stops uh, more so than Oklahoma uh, State will. And as you stated, Joe, I think this is a program that's starting to unravel a little bit. 
Uh, I think we're all in agreement in terms of Texas. Uh, I I think Texas, as long as Sam Ellinger's shoulder is fine, Gabe, uh, just a far superior team. Oklahoma State is doing nothing defensively. I mean, look what they did against Texas Tech and Iowa State. And and Taylor Cornelius is not the traditional Oklahoma State gunslinger. Uh, Justice Hill, kind of quiet this year. You know, you've had people leave the program like Jalen McCleskey. So I agree with you. I think Texas... They realize they can win this Big 12 championship this year. I don't think that ends in Stillwater. And, you know, honestly, Texas, Texas are hanging around right now, the, the playoff pitcher. And, you know, the Big 12, the Big 12 isn't the most respected conference. They need to sort of blow you away to get, to get into the playoffs. But Texas is Texas. And let, let's be real. Their politics, you know, everyone used to hate the PCS. You know, ultimately, I think the BCS actually wasn't that bad. I think they did a good job, the BCS. But politics and television ratings do come into play here. And I think it would be naive to say that they don't. So I I think Texas is, you know, Texas to me is sort of like Michigan right now. Texas is kind of controlling their own destiny. I got to believe a one-loss Texas team would find their way into the playoffs, guys. You know, it'll be interesting to see if, if they can get that far. But they're in the mix right now. Hey, Gabe, I wanted to get your take on two teams. We've talked about it earlier in the show. I'm fascinated by what are the expectations for Washington State after they beat Oregon last weekend and Purdue after their stunning upset of Ohio State 49-20. to What do you expect from these two teams now that they hit the road? Yeah, you know what I expect? I don't know what to expect, Rich. That's my problem. You just mentioned, I swear, you just mentioned the two teams – that have perplexed me the most this year, and I've probably lost the most. Not so much Washington State, but I've lost quite a few times this year. I am one of more, two or three times at least betting against Purdue. Not, and you know, I got you know, I, I caught betting against. Uh, I cashed a few times playing against them, but I've had a hard time. I think I have to accept that Purdue's a better football team than I'm giving them credit for. And I don't know how Michigan State's going to respond uh, after that. You know, this is really, really a tough game. This is why I didn't make it one of my best bets of the day. You know, you can Purdue going to respond uh, on the road here, Michigan State, um, coming off a, a gut-wrenching, gut-wrenching loss. And you talk about a program that's sort of, you know, been on the ropes this year, Michigan State, throughout the year. It's sort of like a boxer that got hit early. Remember, like, they, they struggled in week one just to win a football game, and they, they got rocked a couple of times, and they land a haymaker. It's like, hey, look, Michigan State is back. It's like, no, 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 I don't know. They're, they're coming out, no, their knees are shaky. It's hard to know where Michigan State's mindset is at right now. Purdue's obviously the more enthusiastic uh, football team coming into this game, and push comes to shove. You know, I look at Michigan State, and they use an NFL term. I was talking about the Eagles the other night. You know, and we keep waiting for the, the for them to flick the switch. Wow, they're better than this. They're better than that. They're better than this. I don't know. Maybe they flick the switch and a light bulb is burnt out. But you say with Michigan State. You know, we keep, oh, well, Michigan State, you know, they can do this, they can do that. They're not doing it. You know, we're past the point of you are what your record says you are in the college football season uh, right now. So if I had to do it, I would go with Purdue. And Washington State have been a freaking nemesis of mine for years, Rich. They just have been. I don't know why I bet against Mike Leach as much as I do. I think that the, the market overvalues them uh, at times. Yet, we've talked about this. And once again, this goes back. I remember you and I talking about this, Rich, in week, uh, after uh, week one. And, Joe, 
in which uh, Marshall San Diego State Aztec team bobbled up Bryce Love in the first game of the year. And we thought, wow, with the scheme they were running, and they were just so focused. But Stanford's been unable to get anything going on the ground all year long. Their defense, this isn't, just, this isn't the same Stanford team. Like, I wanted to say, man, I got to take Stanford here. Give me Stanford. Like, you know, at first, you know, I was like, are you kidding me? Give me Stanford. And then as I dig down deeper in this game, you know, Stanford on Stanford this year. Yeah, great points, Gabe. As always, great insight and information. Knock them dead today, and we'll see you next weekend. Yeah, well, you can't wait next week. And with a tear apart, it's going to be great to be back in the studio. But uh, uh, great show today, guys. Uh, keep going. Gabe Morenci from Game Time Decisions, our co-host here every Saturday. I agree with Kentucky. I, I like his yeah, take I like on Kentucky. Game. I don't like that. I you, like you'll Missouri. stay away. I, I, if stay I away. had to pick yeah, that yeah. game, I'd take Missouri. But again, I, I just don't have a feel on that. I like Tennessee tonight. We're going to get into that. Some other SEC games. I like Mississippi State more than I like Kentucky in that ballgame. So we'll see how that game plays out. When we come back, we'll be breaking down our 12 o'clock best bets. Keep it where it is. to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. We are back in just 18 minutes until the start of the 12 o'clock games, week nine of college football. Before we get back into analysis, uh, the DailyRoto.com NBA lineup optimizer is now available. That means you can use the same tools and projections that DailyRoto.com NFL premium subscribers are using to win each and every week. And you could use it for NBA DFS contests. You've heard a lot about the DailyRoto com NFL DFS optimizer here on the Fantasy Sports Network and how its subscribers are winning tournament prizes on FanDuel and DraftKings in the thousands, hundreds of thousands, and the $7 million winners they've produced. Well, now you could double your pleasure and cash in on the NBA Fantasy Party 2. If you're playing daily fantasy sports and you aren't using the daily roto tools, projections, and optimizers, you're doing it all wrong and you're at a competitive disadvantage, Joe, you're leaving money on the table if you're not using the optimizer. So go to dailyroto.com, click on Go Premium, and enter the promo code FNTSY for a special discount and start winning today. That's dailyroto.com, click on Go Premium, enter the promo code FNTSY for a special discount and start winning today. Dailyroto.com, the site where millionaires are made you know, Joe, at the manse this week, we uh, finally closed the swimming pool because there were dead hamsters and other animals in it. And the young gentleman, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Young gentleman who closed the pool, Jimmy from R&R Pool Services. Follows the show and... I asked him. No, no, he doesn't follow the show, but he's going to, I think. I asked him, now that the pools are all closed, what do you do in the off season? And he said, I play daily fantasy basketball. Oh, True story. All right. 
and I said, you have to get the daily optimizer at, at Roto. That's fantastic. Yes. Get, that's great that you're pitching the daily optimizer. How that is a true it? story. But you got to get him to follow our best bets, which we're going to do right now. We've well, been, that's a given. I well, figured he was already following the best bets. But oh. uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm hurting Jimmy. He's got a little three-year-old. I said, Jim, if you want that kid to, uh, you know. Get some new diapers. Well, here, here you go, Jimmy. Here's my 12 NBA o'clock. lineup optimizer. A- NBA lineup optimizer. My 12 o'clock best bets. I already talked about Florida State. Defensively, they're allowing only 100 rushing yards per game. Held opposing quarterbacks over the last four games to 47% completion percentage. They keep it within the number later today against Clemson about 20 minutes from kick. We talked about no Alex Hornibrook for Wisconsin. No problem for Northwestern. I think they get it done at home. Wisconsin allowing 168 rushing yards per game. Allowed 320 to Michigan two weeks ago. 211 to Illinois last week. Northwestern will find a way to get a gutty win in Ryan Field later today and then a minor upset special they're catching one point they might be favored by one point now to me it doesn't matter two teams going in opposite directions Arkansas converting 48 percent on third downs dominates Vanderbilt later today Vanderbilt over the last three games Rich allowed 219 rushing yards to Georgia 280 to Florida 290 to Kentucky Back-to-back road games, the Razorbacks with a double-digit win at home over the Commodores. Marshall, your 12 o'clock best picks. Um, I like Florida State at home. I feel like they're going to cover. I think Lawrence, um, on the road, obviously, we we got a chance to see him on the road. Tough game. Um, this will be another tough game. I don't think they can – I don't think they'll cover. I, I, I feel like – um, I feel like Florida State will at least do what they need to do to make sure that uh, that they that that they cover. Um, I also like Northwestern, um, the home team. They they always play well in this game. I feel like Northwestern they have a really good chance at um, at covering. I think Wisconsin is going to get the win, but without a doubt, I believe Northwestern will cover. And last but not least, uh, Purdue. Uh, I, I just like how they are playing. And and I, I fell in love with two things happen. You hold Ohio State to 20 and then you score 49. Uh, I, I like I like Purdue uh, in this game. I feel like they're going to dominate the line of scrimmage and they should cover. And I looked at that Purdue uh, pregame. No bad weather as of right now. Now, I know there's about a 56% uh, chance of precipitation, but right now in warm-ups, it's, it's cold. It looks a little overcast, but a, a dry field in East Lansing. Well, so. and, and Purdue right now not only has the physical talent, this team has confidence. I mean, you just took Ohio State down a peg. I you mean, everybody was genuflecting right. <laughs> to the Buckeyes. <laughs> and they did it on both sides of the ball. I mean, this is a Purdue team that is headed in the right direction. And, and the more that Purdue wins, I, I think the uh, the poorer Louisville gets because I think Louisville is going to throw everything they possibly can to bring their former quarterback back to Louisville. I, 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 I think it's a step up in job. I do. do? I, I think Purdue has a hard ceiling as to, if you look at the history recruiting. of that program, recruiting, championships, Joe Tiller when he had Drew Brees obviously had a, had a degree of success, right. but it's fleeting. I think Louisville has a higher ceiling. Plus, this is his alma mater. This is Scott Frost 2.0. Yeah, the 2.0, the 2.0, uh, 3.0 right here. Here's the thing I think why Jeff Brom stays possibly. I mean, again, he's starting to build that program up. Louisville, from what we saw now, might be a complete rebuild. And where Clemson and Florida State are, and even Virginia Tech with Justin Fuente, 
I, I think they have a big jump up, and now Bronco Mendenhall with Virginia. Not going to be easy for Jeff Brom at Louisville, known as a basketball program. It's got an easier it's, division in the Big Ten, too. Yes. The Big Ten West versus ACC yeah. Atlantic, a lot tougher. Yeah, it is. Right? It is. So I'm, 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 to... I'm taking your side. He may yeah. want to stay put. You know? I just think Purdue is an upcoming program. It's within the Big Ten. It's still known as a football conference to me, and, and a Marshall, football to, school, and a football if, if school, you think about it, still think of, of a basketball school, right? It's just if, if you're Jeff Brom, it's just a good situation to have. You have another thing out there to 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 make sure that um that that you get treated the right way, and that that's what it's all about. I mean, uh, I I like what he's doing. I mean, I, just just look at the excitement behind the program. Uh, what just a huge win. And, and speaking of that, too, this team could be undefeated. They lost to four points by Northwestern. Yeah. They lost to two points by Eastern Michigan. They beat a dominant, dominant Boston College team. Let's be honest, Boston College now 6-2, and two, a solid program. I mean, why not Purdue uh, contending in the Big Ten West? Yeah. I mean, next week it's Purdue-Wisconsin. Well, yeah, and then right? Purdue, let, let's keep in mind that Iowa game really turned the, the – tables for Purdue from a defensive perspective. They're only allowing 136 rushing yards per game, and that's the one MO why I like the Boilermakers here, because you have a Michigan State offense now without Lewerke and an inexperienced well, quarterback with L.J. Scott. How about how about no Felton Davis? Yeah, he's Felton out. Davis was clearly their best offensive player. He so himself in Michigan. You got Rocky Lombardi behind center. You have no Felton Davis on the outside for that passing game. Now, we see weird things happen all the time. It's always next man in in college football or the NFL. Let me give you my uh, best bets at 12 o'clock real quick. I agree with you on Florida State. Yeah. I agree with both of the boys in Florida State. Uh, I, I Too many points in, in this type of a game. Too much pride at Florida State. They're beginning to play better, especially defensively. Yeah. If you could just... Have one or two extended drives. Create some space for Cam Akers. Uh, keep DeAndre Francois off his back. This, this should be like a 10 to 13 point game. So I, I like the so. points. I agree with Northwestern. I mean, at, at the time for yeah. us, it was seven. seven. I know the and number is coming knew down. Was out then, so. Yeah, and listen, uh, contain Jonathan Taylor. That's what it comes down to. Contain Jonathan Taylor and open up Clayton Thorson. I like Northwestern. My other two, uh, I'm on Iowa State. I'll tell you why. I may, maybe I you know maybe I need a cut of Matt Campbell's contract. I'm always hawking him so much, but you know the last two years he has owned Cliff Kingsbury. Dominated sixty six to ten two years ago. Who was Texas Tech's quarterback two years ago when they scored ten points? Uh, Mahomes. That was Pat Mahomes. So Matt Campbell has the blueprint on how to beat Texas Tech and how to handle Cliff uh, Kingsbury's offenses. He has blown them out in consecutive years. I think it continues today. So I like Iowa State at home in Ames. And finally, North Carolina. I, I, I Listen, I yeah. like Virginia. You've been on Virginia I'm wisely. I'm this week. I, I took the step off. But I think Virginia now in the mode underdog, they've been yeah. great. As a favorite by nine and a half points against a North Carolina team that's lost their last two by just a field goal to Virginia Tech in the last week against Syracuse. Larry Fedora has these kids still playing with a little bit of heart. Nathan Elliott played well at yes. quarterback. So I think North Carolina keeps it close. They challenge Virginia getting nine and a yeah, half. Yeah, I mean, Iowa State, to me, I, I think the matchup in that ball game is Hakeem Butler, which is a tall wide receiver, yes. going up against that Texas Tech Red Raider defense, giving up around 288 passing yards per game. I like Iowa State as an underdog. I don't like them as a favorite per se as much, but we know Ames is a very difficult place to play. So we'll see how that game plays out. I'm on Virginia this year, but I took a step off here. <laughs> this is a very tough ball game. I mean, 
Marshall, how hard is it for kids when the when the season starts to slip? Especially we see it in the NFL, but more importantly in college where you're not going to possibly make it to a bowl game. How hard is it to maintain intensity each and every week? It always depends on your core, like how many seniors you have on this team and, and, and how much focus. If you know you're coming back the next year, let's say you got a lot of juniors, a lot of sophomores, some freshmen playing, um, you continue to fight on. You, you, you step it up, and you're trying to make sure that you end the season on a positive note, getting ready for next season. If you have a lot of seniors playing, it becomes a very disappointing thing. Um, you understand that this season is kind of tossed away. Your opportunity to make it uh, in, into a bowl game is it's done. And, uh, you, it, and it's, <laughs> I just say this, it's not a bad thing, but you really start to focus on your studies. Right. You really start to, like, understand that. And, and, and if you don't have a shot at the NFL – you really start to understand what life as a civilian, not being an athlete, is going to be like, and your focus really starts to go there. Yeah, and that's interesting. It's a because, good point. Yeah, yeah, because you see Larry Fedora now. This is a make-it-or-break-it year, in my opinion, for, for him. I think he'll be out of a job in terms of North Carolina. They've had two close ball games against Syracuse now and Virginia Tech, played toe-to-toe and lost them. So that's the only, the only reason why I don't like North Carolina is the mindset now. You lost two tough games yeah. Didn't pick up those wins. Now, you, now you're. Struggling. Is there anything left Is, in the tank? Right, exactly. Now, Marshall so. brings up a great point too because I never thought about it in terms of seniors versus underclassmen. Underclassmen are still fighting because oh, yeah. next year's another year. Yeah, still trying to press the coach. Want to oh, yeah. want to get more PT right. next year. I wonder if that encourages staffs then to start looking down the roster and say maybe time to get reps for that I retro mean, freshman. Well, you you don't want to do that. I mean, because usually a senior is a guy who's waited his turn. And uh, regardless of, of, of how it's, it's going down, um, you, you want to give him that opportunity because as an athlete, you pay attention to what and how um, the seniors are treated. The upperclassmen are, are, are treated. That, that, that's kind of they, – they've been there. They help build the program. It's their opportunity. So you, you pay attention to that. And you guys were talking about uh, Larry Fedora and, um, and, and Carolina. I, I always look at this. I'm telling you, when you have quarterbacks come to the NFL – and they start to have more success than they had in college. I always look at coaching, and I question coaching. Um, they didn't win enough game with Pat Mahomes with that talent. Carolina didn't win enough games when you when, when you see what's going on in Chicago. Uh, something it, it, you look at the programs, and you have to question: Wow, why didn't guys win? With talent like that, and it takes me back to um, I remember my, co- my my decision to go to San Diego State at the time. Uh, um, Southern Miss was an opportunity, uh, and 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 Curly Holman actually LSU was an opportunity. Holman. Curly Holman left LSU. Yeah. I mean, left Southern Miss and became the head coach at LSU. I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna go to LSU. He took over. My head coach showed me the resume. He said this guy couldn't win with Brett Favre. Mm. <laughs> right. So you you you, you start to understand. When you have these quarterbacks, they come in and they show this talent, but yet you didn't see it in college. You wonder what happened, um, i.e. Tom Brady. Like, yep. what, what happened? Right. Why wasn't this talent fostered? Why didn't you nurture it? See, that now, almost makes me want to do a study on that. Yeah. That's really fascinating. Guys who were maybe mediocre or underutilized because Trubisky's another example. Trubisky yeah. came in, he wound up playing one season, yeah. but Marquise Williams was the quarterback yep. for North Carolina. And I always, I always wondered when I saw Trubisky take over and then gets picked right. number one overall, I'm thinking like, 
holy cow, why was he only used for one full season? Yeah, yep. that's that's a great point. I mean, here's the thing as well. When you say, why did he bolt? He lost 214 receptions and 23 receiving touchdowns that went out the door with him. Guys like Matt Collins, guys like Ryan Swift. Oh, at Carolina, you're at talking. Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So he made a proper decision as well because when you see the type of talent that you know North Carolina has in the program now, they can't move the football consistently. They haven't found an identity, and that's a great point that Marshall brought up. Jeff Bauer, uh, the former head coach of Southern Miss, Jeff Bauer is one of the coaches that just – I know he had some personal issues, but disappeared, never got back into coaching. And was perennially successful. Yes, Tyro Nix Never Nicks got was another opportunity. coordinator yeah. back in the day, and Tyro Nix. It almost reminded him. me of Mario Cristobal until Cristobal got the Oregon job. Right. Cristobal was successful at Florida International. They mm-hmm. booted him. Nobody ever, ever gave him another shot, and I thought, oh, my God, he was winning at Florida International. Right. How is somebody not hiring him? Jeff Bauer just disappeared. Yeah, had to be great head got, coach. It's got to be a decade, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, probably uh, uh, about that time. Fedora yeah. came in, replaced him, and had great success at Southern Miss. Yeah. And then from that point, uh, you know, it's been a while. You know, Lou, Ellis took over. For, Ellis Johnson. Uh, sure. Ellis Johnson, and was zero twelve, and then they bounced back after that. So we'll see how that plays out. It's interesting. How about this game, South Florida, Houston? We we touched on it earlier with Gabe. I like South Florida just to cover this game. I mean, when you look at Houston as a whole, they're allowing 333 passing yards to opposing offenses. Blake Barnett, he struggled over the last couple of games with consistency, but I think they make enough plays in this ballgame. Mm. Keep it within the number. I could see King in this offense winning this ballgame, but the Bulls do cover the seven-point number later today. Yeah, I know why Gabe likes the over. Uh, Houston has not been held beneath 41 yeah. points in any game this season, so Derek King looks like the second coming of Greg Ward the second. Yes. In Houston, that type of a quarterback, athletic, making plays through the air. I, I was this close to calling this a best bet Ooh. in Houston's direction. Really? But without Ed Oliver, if he's questionable or he's not 100%, it kind of goes into that question, which I, I hope to have in the third hour, which is how do these future first-rounders handle their final seasons in college when they're not 100%, sort of the Nick Bosa question? Now I wonder about Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver loves football, has an amazing motor, brings it on every down, but now he's injured. And I wonder if the kid wants to come back. And I, when, when and I look at there. it, I, when I look at it, I think it comes down to quarterback play. I mean, when, when you look at Barnes, 10 touchdowns, seven interceptions, inconsistent. Charlie Strong wants him to play better. But then when you think about, when you look at King, Derek King, 23 touchdowns, three interceptions, take care of the football. Very explosive. I look at this game, I say Houston will win, but South Florida, they're going to make enough plays and they're going to run the football. They're going to run the football and try to control the line of scrimmage, try to control the clock. They are are going to cover. And to your point about Oliver, I mean, he stayed when Herman bolted, which he could have left. I mean, it was a five-star recruit and could have went with Tom Herman to the University of Texas because that's why he came to Houston to buy into the program. But he stayed there with the growing pains of Major Applewhite, and you got to credit him because, I mean, he will be a top-ten pick in the NFL draft. His Love him. His stuffing uh, ability Listen, is, first, is first thing I thought as a true freshman was, and I know it's been overplayed now, he just looks like Aaron Donald to me. And Aaron Donald is a player that I loved in college. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was our Benaric Award winner a couple of years ago, which surprised a lot of people. And then he just took flight in the NFL. This is a big game for both of these coaches because Major Applewhite and Charlie Strong did not have solid debuts at their schools in 2017. 
One team is seven and zero. South Florida, Houston is six and one. Huge game in the American. And bo- and both coaches were handed the keys to the car that looked like a Ferrari. They didn't have to do much in yep. terms of that, and haven't really taken that Ferrari to, to another level. To, to yeah. another level. So we'll Big see game. how that plays out. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the three thirty and eight o'clock games. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, and Hall of Famer Marshall Falk in studio, live from Studio Thirty Four.